The book of Matthew 5.45 and 48 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect The sermon that I'd like to continue is called Called to Perfection the meaning of these words is that it's not just a phrase but a promised commandment it's the inheritance of saints of all times and the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to his students therefore who, those who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment and it is doubtful they will ever be able to have it in other words, those churches where there's a democratic form of uh, of structure, they don't have a part to this commandment because it's given only to those people that are within the law of the kingdom of heaven. The law of the kingdom of heaven is the theocratical structure and not democratic. However, uh, we may not like it uh, or the complaints we might have saying what God isn't there they uh, don't belong to the holy scriptures or God's given law if God has his order in which he accomplishes his work then that's the order in which he accomplishes it if there's a service that does not have God's order then they cannot understand what perfection is or even strive to have it because their perf uh, their perfection is to do something our perfection is to receive what God has done for us and these are two big differences they do it to justify themselves we do it to perform righteousness that we already have what God has already done for us <clears throat> so to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them pouring out God's blessing upon the righteous and his flaming wrath upon the unrighteous within the boundaries of the spoken by him word that is exalted by him within the temple of our body above all of his names as it relates to fulfilling <clears throat> the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word in the temple of our body we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of man what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law Jesus died by the law for the law and we together with him submerged in a baptism of water Holy Spirit and fire have died by the law for the law so that we can receive justification in the resurrection of Christ in the new tablets of the covenant so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected because the scriptures say that he God Jesus he died for our sins and was resurrected for race for our justification a person receives justification 
about the teaching of the resurrection of the dead. And in this way, to obtain confirmation of our salvation and new tablets of the covenant in the righteousness of our heart means giving God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the previous law, but by the righteousness of faith, as he did to, for Abraham and his descendants. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. The righteousness of faith, making us heirs of the peace of God, is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the preached word of the delegated of, of God and that person who represents a father who is sent to us. The faith of God is from hearing the word of God, the preached word, not what we read. And so the faith of God, as the word of God that we hear, is the general and our obedience is as the soldier that uh, obeys everything that is said so that he can fulfill it. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people that are obeyed the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his word using the mouth of his delegated ones in the great structure of theocracy. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God. The faith of God are the spoken words of the delegated of God. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of the peace of God presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. If you can imagine for yourself, the world or peace is, is the fruit of the spirit and this can happen when a person leaves a spiritual fi uh, childhood or infancy if it, you have not left infancy then you can't even receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven and why because the spiritual uh, egg has not yet been formed to be able to receive the seed we have a sister but she's too young what will we do when they come asking for her she does not yet have breasts. This is a proverb. This is that she has not yet matured into a woman that would have a ovary or a egg that is able to receive seed. And the other says, I am, I am a wall and my breasts like towers. I shall be as one who has found peace in his eyes. And so we know the two breasts is the urim and the thummim that abide within the heart of man. The thummim is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ and urim is the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth within the heart of man upon the condition that we have received him as the Lord and Master of our life. A, an infant can't. He is actually always opposing, always uh, arguing. He is attracted by every wind of doctrine. And if in a specific time that God has allowed, he does not come out of that, he will not be able to receive then the seed about the kingdom of heaven. 
in the covenant of peace. The covenant of peace is given to us in the form of a seed as a guarantee. We need to grow it into fruit. And so when it says, blessed are the peacemakers, or for they shall be called sons of God, then that means blessed are the people who have were able to bear fruits of peace, uh, righteousness, peace, joy, in the, uh, on all of these fruits of peace. Peace is one of the qualities of the fruits of righteousness that we are called to bear to God so that we can be clothed then into this fruit of righteousness and erect it within our heart as a stronghold of life. Therefore, the inheritance of the peace of God contained in the boundaries of the covenant of the peace of the Eden of our heart is the treasury of our hope in God and is presented in the unity of all of the promises of God this coming to pass is the goal of the righteousness that is in our heart. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because as the thoughts of a man are is who he is, if his thoughts will be placed into Jesus Christ, then he will have God's peace. If his thoughts are all over the place, independent, he is not placed into Jesus Christ. He has not been taught how to be placed into Jesus Christ. We put ourselves in Jesus Christ uh, by our thinking. Our thinking, our thoughts, our mind needs to be put into Jesus Christ. We need to be taught how our minds need to be put into Jesus Christ. If we are not taught, we will not be able to do anything. We will constant, constantly be meditating about the things of the world. We will take God's commandments and change them, uh, apply them to worldly things. There are many in churches today, uh, these councils that they have that uh, pervert the commandments of God uh, and apply them to worldly things. They every and unfortunately every member of the church in those some of those churches are uh, inspectors and make their own conclusions and their own and have their own opinions uh, and they make conclusions as to whether they should agree or not agree in the structure of theocracy this does not exist this there's not even such a commandment that a person may have their own personal opinion uh, you have to deny your uh, your personal opinions for God's for the sake of God's revelations that God gives to his person and when this revelation comes from the person whom God uh, has sent it's not this person's opinion but God's revelations that he has given and this person that is speaking these words obeys it just as we all need to Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why with thanksgiving? Because everything that we want to ask for is already upon our account. We need to take it. It's already ours. It already belongs to us. But we can't use it until God reveals to us his time. That my son, my daughter, the time has come to utilize this promise. God is the master of time and he controls time and we are not we are not the ones that place the time of when we can take the promise. It is God's prerogative. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Thank God for what you already have, that things that you don't see. 
they're maybe not visible, but they are in the invisible. And when you thank God for what you don't have in the visible realm, proclaiming that not existent as existent, the Holy Spirit then receives the right to bring it about, to make it happen in the visible world. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. And so if the peace of God will guard our minds in Christ Jesus, whatever may happen in the world, whatever may happen in my life with my feelings, with my losses, or with my uh, gains, I will still have God's peace. People lose peace when they obtain or lose something. They begin to uh, rejoice when they've obtained something. They need to continue to remain calm because if you've obtained something, even whatever it may be in this world, it still it soon will be burned. You know, we are at the end of uh, time, at the end of time. And if you've been attentive and have been watching what has been going on in Israel, this uh, fight, this battle, it's never been in the history of Israel. And what do I mean by that? That that the Euro Union supported Israel. It always was against Israel and was always supportive of Islam. Always. It's the first time in history uh, that all of the Union, uh, European Union with its leaders are uh, defending Israel and saying that Israel has the right to defend themselves. This has never happened before. Even the American government says, yes, they have the right, but and so you, you'll say, what does this mean? What is the sign? The sign that the European Union has opened their doors to Israel. You understand that Israel will soon become and join part of the European Union. That soon Turkey will also join the European Union. Syria will join the European Union. And... Uh, and so this Hezbollah and uh, these uh, people, these terrorist organizations, Iran uh, control. Iran and Turkey, the Arab uh, people also hate them and don't accept them. And why is that? Because Arabs are the descendants of Abraham, and Turkey and Iran are not the descendants of Abraham, and so Arabs don't want to accept them in any way. But look at what's happening in these Muslim uh, countries, of course with the exception of uh, Saudi Arabia and others, maybe a few others. Inside of them, uh, in their government, they're sympathizing to Israel and consider and they know that they have one father and so we have come very close when the European Union had not yet been established God revealed to me and I talked to the, about this that soon these countries will come together, they will unite, and they'll have one currency, and people laughed at me. They said this is impossible. 
and this has become possible. All of the countries that are a part of the previous Roman Empire, they will be a part of the European Union, and those have, who have joined but were not part of the previous Roman Empire, but at the time of the coming uh, or rising of the man of destruction, they will be removed. These countries will be removed from that union. And so the peace of God in the format of the grown in us fruit of righteousness that is able to guard our mind in Christ Jesus are the thoughts of our mind that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, as I repeat, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. The carnal mind is the seal of the beast upon the forehead of Christian people. This is not talking about non-Christian. When he, when it says he'll make all, uh, that means all in Jerusalem. When we will be, when we will be studying the Book of Revelations, and we will be doing this very soon. You'll see everything that happens in this Book of Revelations happens upon Jerusalem, upon the territory of the Church of God. Go amongst the land of Jerusalem and put a mark upon those uh, that sorrow. And so until I put the mark of, uh, of God upon those who, who need it, do not hurt any or harm anyone. And we will be looking at that very, very soon. And so the spiritual mind is not just life and peace, but also the seal of God upon the forehead of the saints when they're meditating about the things that are above. According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who reject the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God in the preach to them word, which is called to become their spiritual form of thinking, and so that is to become a seal of God upon their foreheads, again, if they reject it, they do not have any relation to the peace of God and not not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no relation and cannot have any relation to the Son of Peace either. The Son of Peace, uh, by the means of the peace of God, will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to understand well that only by collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Christ Jesus, we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ or the pearl of immortality, the pearl nature of immortality, just as that foreign uh pebble or little stone that may fall uh, end up in the in the mollusk and it can't push it out so it begins to produce this nacre and wrap it it coats uh, this this foreign item and this is our mortal body that is clothed into this pearl nacre not a changed or transformed body but the mortal body just as Adam had Adam had a mortal body created from the earth <clears throat> it was eternal, it did not have sin, and it's possible that this worldly body can be eternal, although it's not yet spiritual, not transformed, but it can be eternal. The, there could be the law of immortality. 
in corruption in the body. The body could not uh, was not corrupt. There was it could not uh, age. It was not able to get sick. But because of the sin he committed, this uh, gave birth to this uh, corruption and passed it on to the people. But God created Adam, he created his temple, his house in which he will live. Not the soul of man, not the spirit of man, but the body of man. He wanted to create for himself a house, a build a living home for himself. And he has achieved this, where in Jesus Christ, his son, he has erected he has built up his house, and in his Jesus Christ, Son, Jesus Christ, he put us into him in his death and his resurrection. And so we stopped to study the fourth question, by what signs do we need to examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace and therefore are the sons of God? Because it is only by the governing of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. Considering, therefore, if a person in the death of the Lord Jesus has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his life in the flesh, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into the format of righteousness where he would be able to receive where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear in this righteousness the fruits of peace which is why the crown of righteousness then will be that was prepared for them will be taken from them. This crown is called to give them the right to the promise of peace where they would be able to be called sons of God. God accounted to righteousness uh, Abraham and this was his garment. And so the children of Abraham are only those that are by faith as Abraham those who have accepted the truth into their heart and confess this truth and independent on whether you're a man or a woman when you confess then this the seed of truth you confess you confess the function of the son not the daughter when you accept or receive the seed whether you're a man or a woman you fulfill the function of a daughter of Abraham the daughter of Zion but when you begin to confess that faith of your heart independent of whether again you're a man or woman you became a son of God because in Jesus Christ there's no male or female gender as it is written if they will not have this peace of God this uh, fruit of faith that Abraham had when they believe when he believed God in the invisible and began to proclaim that not existent as existent and God accounted to this as righteousness to him uh, righteous works is not our good work our evangelism prayers what this is when we hearing the seed of the word of truth have received it and began to consider ourselves dead to sin count ourselves dead to sin living for God proclaiming that not existent adopted adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ as existent and when you did this you do this you agree to this God accounts us to as righteousness we you may not see this visibly your body still has uh, lusts and feelings you fall you rise again and the devil tells you uh, what are you thinking about look at yourself 
the beloved by God church you cannot you, you are forbidden from looking at yourself it's a sin you need to look at who God is for you in Jesus Christ what he's done for you in Jesus Christ look at that and began to proclaim the not existent as existent and so if people aren't doing this then Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 Therefore, the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart by the righteousness of our faith in the format of the covenant of peace, which places responsibility upon both sides of the covenant, where each of the participants of this covenant is responsible for for fulfilling their role that is implemented by God in His instructions. God uh, implemented this covenant not just for himself but for, for, for us also for us and himself he is vigilant over this covenant in our heart that it be fulfilled this covenant be fulfilled within the temple of our body and if one of the sides breaks the agreement that is outlined in the covenant of peace between God and man and we note that such a violator can only be a man then because God is faithful to his word and he will never change it, then the other side being God is released. If a person is not faithful, then the other side being God, he's released from this responsibility to fulfill what was agreed upon in the given covenant of peace. And so when you fall, you need to understand that you are still righteous because your righteousness that you have was given to it to you not because of something you did but because what God did and so when you fall that doesn't mean God's faithfulness has has uh, began to shake or change uh, God's God continues to be faithful so the righteous will fall and rise again and he'll fall seven times it doesn't say you'll fall and become a sinner seven times he'll uh, fall but he will rise again continue to look at yourself righteous in Jesus Christ when you uh, said a lot of things you didn't want to made a mistake uh, immediately rise again and when you do you hold up victory Uh, this is such a arrow for the devil right into his heart it pierces because he thinks he's won but he's lost because every time uh, there's a a strike you win because the justification you re- you received free by God's grace it was the work of God and not what you did for God only the righteous that has received justification freely can perform righteousness only a holy person because he is born holy from God is able to sanctify himself and so when people according to their own mind think that if we perform good work we will become righteous if we uh, try to do things to become holy this is a lawless thing that do and they do not acknowledge God's uh, order and they reject God's righteousness And so in a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God, and we stop to study the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy 
the essence, our body, our mortal body, into the holy and selective love of God. Because the love of God can be demonstrated only through the body, the members of our body. We can demonstrate love toward one another by using the members of our body. And so you may say, well, I clothe myself into love, my inner person into love. The scriptures mean to clothe yourself you, uh, your, in entirety, yourself, because the temple of God is not the spirit of a person or the soul of a person, but the body of a person, in which there is the spirit of God and the spirit of man. They, they, they are both there and they live in the body. That is not ours now, but God's. This body is no longer ours, but God's. When Moses uh, threw the um, rod, which was his soul, his life, God said, take it by the tail. How did he take it by the tail? He did it by taking control of his mouth, because the serpent is controlled by its tail. Our tail is the rod of our mouth. And so when you begin to confess that not existent is existent, then you take the serpent by the tail, and he then doesn't become your rod, but the rod of God. He said, from now on, this will be my rod. This was your rod previously. He said, cast your rod. And now he says, this is my rod in your in your hands. And using it, I will perform miracles by your using your mouth, the confessions of the faith of your heart, I will perform miracles, independent from what you feel. Because emotions, they are not information that comes from God. Emotions are what needs to be bridled and led by the uh, means of confessing the faith of God, you need to calm your emotions. They they will constantly. Uh, it is physical. It, it it is dependent on what it sees, what it feels, uh, what it's experiencing. But you need to uh, speak to it from what you've received above. You say, "Calm down. Everything will be fine." I always talk when my emotions begin to do something, begin to become impatient. I say, "Calm down. Everything's fine." and the emotions begin to calm immediately. You may not receive it immediately, but it will happen. In order to uh, to break a horse, to be able to discipline this, uh, your, your, to, to be able to control your horse, to be able to train it properly, when he sees the strong arm of the master, he will fall in love with that master. As a good horse, uh, falls in love with a ma- with the master and fulfills everything then th- that this master wants him to do. The ability to clothe our, our essence, our body, into the holy love of God, Colossians 3, 14, 15. <clears throat> but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This is the a union of all of God's perfections. An amazing phrase, a bond of perfection. Uh, 
that means the union or unification of all of God's perfections they, they, that are, they've united together this is this holy love and let the peace of God rule in your hearts it turns out that the peace of God can rule in our hearts when we have the atmosphere of God's love, when we will clothe ourselves into the bond of God's perfections, which is God's love agape, and only after that the peace of God will be able to start to rule in our body, in our hearts. It will be erected within our hearts and within our bodies, to which also you are called in one body and be thankful, Colossians 3, 14, 15. We in the, we're called in the body of Christ, not out of the body. According to the given place, the rule of the peace of God within our heart is possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God that is demonstrated in and so holy is selective, as we know already. If the selective love of God, the holy holy is what separates uh, pure from impure, uh, and so it's selective. It chooses the pure, rejects the impure. That is demonstrated in fulfilling the commandments of the Lord. The rule of the peace of God in our hearts, again, is possible only upon one condition, that if that is, if the selective love of God that is demonstrated in fulfilling the commandments of the Lord will abide within our heart and we will clothe ourselves into the selective love of God by the confessions of the faith of our heart, proclaiming the non-existent as existent. And I shall continue to repeat that, um, proclaiming that not existent in our bodies so that it can be well, well imprinted into our heart comprehending the holy love of God is called in its ability to foreknow in its selectiveness to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God in order to make us perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect so that we can obtain the ability to be vigilant over the word we have received in our heart by listening to the word of God in order to shine its sun upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the righteous and unrighteous in accordance to the presented by God law. That is to bless the righteous and pour out the wrath upon the unrighteous. That is, that is what it means to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. In Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets. And it is seven qualities here that we see. Virtue, from which comes then knowledge, from it then comes self-control, from it comes perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. Each of the seven components of the fruits of virtue contain the characteristics of all of the other virtues. As they flow one from the other, reveal themselves in one the other, empower one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. The seven components united in our heart are called to be the moral perfection and an example that is in the likeness of the essence of God. This is God's character. This is God's qualities, His essence. Third, the seven components united within our heart is, are the great and precious promises that are gifted to us by God in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus. This is the great wealth uh, to have this character. The seven components united in our heart is the imperishable treasure 
and wealth with which we need to become rich in order to inherit the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. This is the price that we are required to pay for the adoption of our body. We are fifth, to be able to enter into the inheritance of the seven components is possible only by receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, receiving the power, uh, and so you shall receive power, it says, when the Spirit will come upon you. And so, to be able to enter into the inheritance of these promises, these components, uh, we need the power, and the power is in the Holy Spirit, and we can receive the Holy Spirit when we cleanse our conscience from dead works and place upon the tablets of our heart the elementary teaching of Christ, then the Holy Spirit will receive the proper basis to uh, knock upon our cedar door. The means that we are to use in order to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, spoken by God's delegated ones. By inheriting these great uh, and precious promises, we literally become a part of God's divine nature. We become in the likeness of God. The angels of God, of God begin to see us as God's children and begin to uh, begin to uh, notice us or begin to identify us. And the world also will begin to identify you. You are not like others. You talk not like others. You walk not like others. You clothe not like others. You behave to all of the circumstances going on in the world in a different way. Everyone's panicking and you're at peace. Tell me what this is. And so the love of God is within the heart of a man. The foundation, pivot, and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law that opens up the essence of God as well as the essence of the heavenly kingdom within his heart. The love of God, agape, is a sovereign love that is unconditional when it comes to the people that she selects, that she chooses in her willingness to foreknow and predestine. God ahead of time has seen us, has seen us, has known us beforehand. He, to foreknow, that means... It doesn't depend on God, but man. God gives to man his law. And as he is omnipresent, he is in the past, present, and future before creating the world, he already saw each one of us when he presented his law and we heard the truth about the kingdom of heaven. He looked at us and saw us that we gladly received it. And as we gladly received it, from there he also then foreknew us and then predestined us. The reason for why one will be foreknown and predestined uh, and other won't is not the fault of God but the fault of man. God depends on what a person will choose or decide. If his love was not uh, sovereign, he would not depend on our decision. He would just save everyone, everyone in general. He doesn't do this, and why? Because he gives us sovereignty, which is the right to choose. He creates Adam. He could have created him non-sovereign, but he would not be Adam. He would not be a person, because 
he would not have the freedom to uh, uh, to have a will to choose to make decisions he created him and gave him the choice i offer you life in the tree of, of life and death in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so god planted it in the garden of eden together with adam because the garden of eden was created after adam and god could not do anything on earth after he created Adam, because he said, I will create a man in my image and our likeness, and they shall uh, have dominion on earth. And this means that he, God placed himself in such a position that he can't do anything on earth without man's participation, because he gave the man the sovereign right to rule on earth as he rules in heaven. And so for God to fulfill his will on earth, he needs the uh, consent, the agreement of a person that will work with him. And so he, together with Adam, literally had planted the Garden of Eden. For what reason? So that God can communicate with him there. We create in the Garden of our heart a place for uh, a relationship communication that we can have with him there. And so as one was a holy uh tree which was the knowledge of good and evil this was God's uh, belonging this was his tithe he created all this for Adam but he said I give you everything except for one this will be my holiness don't touch it and when you eat of it you will die for us to uh, understand what what took place what happened what is this selective love of God a sovereign love it gives the person the right to choose between good and evil. Due to his sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates in her relationship with the people she with with the people of God the sovereign rights of those people that she chooses and never allows her own rights that is her personal boundaries as her flaming holiness to be violated. When you violate the commandments of God, you violate his rights, and he won't allow it. As soon as you violated that, you've violated his sovereign rights, he removes you from that garden, from that communication that you will have. He, he drives you out from Eden. In a specific format, the seven characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already looked at five components and stopped to study the sixth. This is our calling, our purpose to demonstrate the love of God agape in brotherly love, which gives us the power to pass from the state of death into the state of life, of eternal life. You say, but we're already born from God. We're already in God. You're born from God, but you're not given the right to choose, and the right of choice is only given when you come out of spiritual infancy. Then you have the opportunity to come out of the state of death and into the state of life. If you're born from God, why are you aging? Why are you still getting sick? Why, why do you have these things? Because you are still within the state of death. But when you come out of infancy and make a choice, you by faith have accepted the fact that you've died for sin in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and resurrected to receive justification in Him and began to proclaim that not existent as existent. And so this person can, again, 
th this can happen when you're being uh, grown into full measure of growth in Christ. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. And the devil says, or tells you, well, you're this, you don't like this person. Look, they're always doing something to you, either saying something against you, they're jealous of you, and you at this time don't look at the feelings that are in you but look at who you are in Jesus Christ and who this neighbor is to Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ to God and you tell the devil this is a daughter of my father this is a son of my father this is your work that he may be behaving this way I forbid you of, I forbid you to accuse that you are accusing this brother or sister may they be blessed before uh, God and not go back and forth and say Lord what am I supposed to do I feel these things you died in Jesus Christ to these things you are obedient you consider yourself dead to sin and living for God why do you then begin to claim uh, those things uh, that are in your feelings as something that's in your heart based what you decide on information that God has given and not based on what your emotions may say or whether you're sympathetic or empathetic but and so when you do this you will lead your emotion and this emotion will change then toward this neighbor the level of power of the selective love of God coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love and discovering itself within the atmosphere of brotherly love the power is identified and known exclusively by the level level of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and men who do this evil you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions taken from the Psalm of David Hebrews 1 9 evil which demonstrates itself in a person in his hatred that comes from his jealousy and his pride and good which demonstrates itself in a person in love which comes from brotherly love are programs they are two contradicting each other programs to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers which are their programmable systems a person makes himself a programmable system, either of evil or good, a person himself. He can call himself a Christian, he can have the look of a Christian, but he has the look of godliness but's denied its power. Why? Because he refuses to throw out jealousy from his heart and covers it up with uh, as if like a f f falsified sincerity. How are you doing, brother or sister, but inside desire ev uh, bad things uh, toward this brother or sister? The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves the violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright, Psalm 11, 5 through 7. He beholds the upright, 
he is uh, pleased by the upright. These are some of the translations or the definitions that his countenance beholds the upright. And everything that God does on earth and pours out upon the wicked, he does this uh, by his representatives. He doesn't have to do it himself. He gives his word, his children take this word and obey his law and pour out their rains upon the wicked and their son, uh, they burn then the wicked. But the righteous, they bless. Relevant to this as in the previous components of the virtue of God in his unique toward us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven components that we have listed above, and in this case in brotherly love, it was necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue, discovering itself in the heart of man in the love of God agape, coming from brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? Second, what purpose in demonstrating our faith is the love of God? of God agape called to fulfill coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith, in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love, and by what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape coming from this brotherly love? In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to receive the ability to demonstrate in our faith the format of the love of God coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? The format of the love of God coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love reveals itself in a new commandment. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, John 13, 34, 35. And so to behave toward one another, basing uh, this on information and not what you feel toward your brother or sister. And when you do this, you will have broken your horse, disciplined that horse, uh, trained it properly. The relationship we have with one another within the structure of the order of the kingdom of heaven is linked to a specific time for everything under heaven where God receives the proper foundation he needs to pour out his love into our heart in the atmosphere of brotherly love. When God does something, he does it in his time. He does it in a specific way and he does it upon a specific place. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, Ecclesiastes 3.1. Therefore, we began studying the pour out of the love of God into our heart, looking at the following points together. Within the time allotted to us, within the atmosphere or within the boundaries of our dwelling within the atmosphere of brotherly love that united contain and demonstrate themselves in the covenant of peace these three united identify within our heart the presence of the order of the kingdom of heaven the time allotted to us within the boundaries of our dwelling and within the atmosphere of brotherly love which provide God a proper foundation to pour out his love into our heart in the atmosphere of brotherly love which is elevated in the form of the commandment within the time allotted to us and boundaries allotted by him for our dwelling. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, John 13, 34, 35. 
And so here we see, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved, if you have love for one another. John 13, 34, 35. We've noted that the order of the kingdom of heaven in its great theocracy can abide within our heart and have its good impact upon us exclusively within the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven that is presented by the wife on earth, the bride of the lamb, in the form of the good wife. Upon the condition, of course, that we find her, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 18, 22. And so has found favor, has found, obtained favor when he finds a good wife. The price paid for the right to be under the covering of the reigning grace of the of God, presenting the theocratical structure of the order of God in the form of the good wife, the discovery of which is connected to the narrow gate, is a specific sum that is obtained by us because of selling everything we have. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple, Luke 14.33. To forsake all that we have so that we can find ourselves under the grace of God in the form of a good wife is to forsake our nation, the house of our father, and our life in the flesh. In a specific format, we studied familiar to us signs that identified the theocratical structure of the order of the kingdom of heaven in the body of, of Christ, which is the church of saints, so that we, uh, they, we can obtain the grace of God in the form of a good wife and become its organic member. This order is called to, we studied this order, or we we can say we touched upon uh, the, uh, this order that is called to capture all aspects and systems of our life, creating conditions and an atmosphere where we would be able to grow into full measure of growth in Christ so that we can, in accordance to the example of His perfection and the perfection of our Heavenly Father, considering the order of God in the body of Christ, it is in a system of structure which consists of hierarchical subordination, where the younger gladly is obedient to the word of the elder. In general, universal systems, I will remind us. Three systems here, the order of God consisting in the system of the constructing our, of our body, the order of God consisting in the system of constructing of our soul, and the order of God consisting in the structure consisting in the system of of constructing our spirit. In my time, when I stood before a various crowd that were, uh, this is where no one was clothed into the garments of students of Christ and where each one thought that they were able to differentiate good from evil, I said to them, if you are not able to follow me, don't follow me because I am a person like you with weaknesses in body, Believe, I told them, believe and study the word that I receive in my heart, the teaching from the Holy Spirit. And this concept was not the product of falsified humility and did not contradict my words today. When I spoke already to a crowd of students of Christ, not to various people that just randomly came together that considered themselves as inspectors, but in the midst of students, I say, Imitate me as I imitate Christ by being vigilant in prayer over the words of God that I have concealed in my heart so I not sin. In other words, follow me. With these words, I imitate the Lord Jesus Christ who said, if I, when he said, I stood before 
uh, also various people that come together. If I do not do the work of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him in him or in the father Gen 10 37 through 38 therefore when i say don't follow me but follow the teaching that i received in the revelation of my heart from the holy spirit and when i say follow me as i follow the word of revelation that i have received in my spirit there is no contradiction and what i spoke previously being inspired by the holy spirit i say also today being inspired by the same Holy Spirit. But for people that intentionally or not intentionally forsake the mantle of a student of Christ and have made themselves inspectors and began searching for reasons in my words to discredit my spiritual authority that is in my heart, I admonish you, if you don't repent in your deeds, my words will continue to be a contradictory thing for you and a stumbling block for your own personal damnation and you will move to the category of people who have made themselves inspectors and will share with them the the prepared for them by God eternal damnation the system of of constructing our spirit our soul and body reveals itself in the following findings first in the wisdom of God which is the fear of the Lord these three systems of our essence we will have this wisdom of God which is the fear of the Lord the strategy of God which is continual prayer the glory of God which reveals itself in hope upon God the might of God which demonstrates itself in the confessions of the faith of our heart in the hierarchical structure of the kingdom of heaven revealed in the atmosphere of our heart identifying the order of theocracy in the relationship we have one with the other in brotherly love in our time amongst impassable overgrowth of religious jungles consisting of a mixture of God's revelations and the products of the human intellect formed by nimrods of our days, the ability to find the good wife will depend on the achieving of our salvation or losing it. We looked at the order of God and the form of a good wife who gives God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart in the atmosphere of brotherly love which is in the wisdom of God demonstrated in the obedience of our faith to the faith of God one of the elements of the order in the entrails of the good wife identifying the structure of the kingdom of heaven and the body of Christ in the atmosphere of brotherly love which is the commandment of God demonstrating itself in a gentle tongue I want to expand upon expand upon and further study as in the previous services I did not have the time to do this the commandment consists in this who is the man who desires life and love and loves many days that he may see good keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit depart from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it Psalm 34 12 through 14 According to this commandment, which is the word that comes from the mouth of God, we see the order by which a relationship with one another in brotherly love is formed, because this given commandment of God is called to reveal itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, and presents with itself the universal order of God that is exceedingly broad. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Psalm 119.96 And in order to examine within our heart hope and trust upon the grace of God, 
by which we would be able to examine our church as to whether its inner infrastructure and its organic life system is connected to the order of the love of God, we paid attention to some above-listed specifications which are called to identify the order of the love of God and brotherly love within an, an individual church as well as in the heart of an individual person who has an organic membership to the body of Christ, which is the good wife. A church that is in accordance to the demands of a good wife, which is the body of Christ, needs to be in accordance to the conditions of a good person. That is the good soil of the heart. That is how a person is called a good person. Therefore, examining ourselves and our church as to whether they correspond to the good wife, we decided to look at the characteristics of a good person in whom the love of God abides and who is clothed into the love of God. Because the system of constructing the body of a good person, the system of the construction of the soul of a good person, and the system of the construction of the spirit of a good person is significantly different from similar systems of ignorance that is in the foolish and evil person who calls himself Christian but in essence is not so. For example, if a person, a good person finds satisfaction in the system of strict hierarchical subordination and carries himself with dignity and in a decent manner in accordance with the demands that are placed by God in the body of Christ, a foolish or evil person within the church of saints is opposing he opposes the hierarchical subordination within the body of Christ and violates the requirements to be decent, perceiving within his perverse mind that he is opposing religious dicta- dictatorship and is fighting for what he alone thinks is liberty of Christ. According to the revelations of Scripture, the term good, identifying the essence of the good wife, flows from the natural essence of the love of God, which it identifies its or his sovereign will which is why it belongs exclusively to God when one of the students uh, or of Christ uh, called Jesus good why do, and Jesus said why do you call me good except for the father why did Jesus say that because the good that Jesus demonstrated it wasn't his goodness or his kindness but the kindness and goodness of his Father. The Holy Spirit demonstrates also not his own goodness or kindness, but the goodness and kindness of the Son of God that takes from the Father. All come from the Father. Which is why it belongs, uh, again, exclusively to God and those people that have been born from the seed of His Word. These are those who have paid the price to, to have this good soil in their heart that then became capable of receiving the seed of His preached promises and capable of growing within their heart the seed of promise into fruits of righteousness. It is specifically the fruits of righteousness in the form of our character and not some other religious acts that are linked to our activities that identify our belonging to the good wife and give us the legitimate right to be uh, to the saving grace of God. In Hebrews, the word good means holy, righteous, a doer of good, beneficial, wise, belonging to God filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the fear of the Lord, 
And so good is the possession of God, the holiness of God. That is who God is, uh, who, who a good person is. Uh, being the lot of God is a good person. He is the lot of God. He's desirable, bearing the authority of the Most High. He's covered in Christ, abiding in the Word. This is a person who conceals in himself Christ. This is one who is a house of God, a dwelling place of God. This is a person that shares in the inheritance of the grace of God. A person who is good is one that's upright in God's eyes, proportioned in God's eyes, leveled, elegant, refined in God's eyes, fine, sophisticated, blooming, merciful, generous, pleasant, just, truthful, honest, pure, acceptable, sincere, faithful, righteous, blossoming, fragrant, and so forth, following the law, not sinning against the law, free from sin, the servant of righteousness, humble and contrite in spirit, trembling before the word of God. We've noted that this incredible, in its meaning multitude, in its multi-meaning and multi-function, identifies the nature of the heart of, of a good person abiding within the atmosphere of brotherly love, because he is a part of the good wife, the good that consists of fulfilling the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect. The church as the good wife is the narrow gate that many try to find, but only few actually do find. And if we, by seeking, will not find that church in the form of a good wife who represents the narrow gate, the guarantee of the grace of God will be taken from us that has been poured by the love of God into our heart by brotherly love in the format of the seed of righteousness, due to which we will not have any opportunity to receive true salvation in the poured-out love of God in the atmosphere of brotherly love and continue in salvation that is given to us by God in the redeeming blood of the cross of Christ. In other words, out of the Church of Christ and independent of the Church of Christ, which is the good wife representing the narrow gate, a person will not have any ability to be saved from the coming wrath. Relevant to this, I will remind us that the aspect of our spirit includes the place of our conscience, the place of our worship, and the place of our intuition, which is different from that of other people, is that it is called an above conscience or a governing over us conscience. Because the intuition of a man that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ is the golden censer, which is the middleman between our conscience and our renewed mind that is placed in dependence from the conscience, where a person receives the revelations of the Holy Spirit. The aspect of our soul includes first the aspect of our intelligent abilities that are placed in dependence from the mind of Christ within our spirit. Second, the aspect of our will abilities placed by us independence of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. And so our mind needs to govern our will. And third, the aspect of our emotional abilities are placed in dependence of our mind and our will. The aspect of our body includes the rod of our mouth, as well as other members of our body given as tools for the soul and the spirit. All government in the three aspects of our essence contains its throne and it's governed and is governed from the position of that throne. These three collaborate one with the other. 
And so the throne of power from the position of which government of our spirit takes place is our conscience that is cleansed from dead works, where the two great witnesses are present that stand before the God of all the earth. These are the Thummim, representing the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ in our conscience, in the twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem and its twelve pearly gates, and the Urim, representing within our conscience the government of the Holy Spirit, who reveals the mysteries of the Thummim. The throne of power from the position of which the government of our soul takes place is a renewed mind that is placed in dependence of the mind of Christ, which identifies the wise abilities of our new person. The throne of power from the position of which government of our body takes place and this is the most powerful throne the most significant is here is our gentle or restrained mouth confessing and so this is by for the sake of this is where why God created and keeps the world and again government of our body takes place is our gentle or restrained mouth confessing the faith of our heart which is the elementary teaching of Christ and so not by our thoughts or emotions but by his word that is how God rules the earth the abiding of the order of God within the heart of man identifies the wise kindness of our heart all these three thrones are diluted one in the other depend on one the other and function as one throne or as one command just as the heavenly fathers the son of God and the Holy Spirit function amongst themselves in the way of their function is that the thought the word and the action the function of the Heavenly Father the thought he is the one who creates the laws the statutes this the of the, the future and his word the word is Jesus Christ the act the action is the Holy Spirit when a person in the organized structure of his sanctification and the organized structure of his dedication to God achieves such a balance then any contradictions regarding the organized structures that are in our universe stop I didn't expect that uh, our time would uh, go by so quickly and so what I did want to cover um, I don't have any more time for today and this is the potential of power that God has that is in the atmosphere of brotherly love I trust that uh, that you will be understanding to that and I didn't expect that it would go by so quickly. The Holy Spirit wanted us to focus on certain subject items so that we focus and, and hear the things we've been hearing. So let us now bend our heads in prayer and we will pray and thank God for who He is to us in Jesus Christ, what He's done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. I will pray for you. You can come out here to the altar so that the Holy Spirit can do His work in your heart. Because to do this work, it is necessary for you to do something. And when the Holy Spirit calls, 
to come out, you, you need to come out and confess your uh, w desire before God with your own mouth. You need to then accept into your heart who you, who God is for you and what He's done for you. Let us bend our heads, our knees, and we will pray. May the Lord bless you. I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is in support of you he is not against you he wants he continues to see you as righteous in Jesus Christ although however you may have fallen whatever you may have done whatever may have happened whatever loss you may experience he is able to restore any loss he is able to return what is lost that inheritance he is your God he is on your side he gave his son for you he already paid the price he loves you and he pro he's proven this love in the death of his son and so let us close our eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God a sign that your hands are without doubt without wrath and pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you to your altar to your throne I bow down I bow down my heart before you and I ask you forgive me wash me cleanse me I hate sin I hate slavery of my lusts and desires I want to be free of them I reject them heal my wounded heart heal the wounds that have been inflicted by sin I reject all sin and I confess it before your face and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified 
and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands try to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the the blessing of the ancient mountains all the promises of God that are contained in them, may they be upon you and the everlasting hills where God has made your covenant with, uh, his covenant with you. May all this be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say, Amen. You are restored in your rights. It is returned to you your rights, and what you've lost has been given back to you. God continues to see you as righteous and good before Him if you will be faithful in your hope and confess that you've died for sin in the body of Christ. Consider yourself dead to sin, living for God. Pro- proclaiming that non-existent promise of liberty of the resurrection of Christ as existing. Let us now proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.